Welcome to the Babbles Nonsense Podcast, where I'm your host, Jonna Grimes, and we're here to discuss any and all things, but especially the shit that I want to talk about. Because let's face it, I have a lot of shit to say. And after all, you are listening to my verbal diary. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode. This is spur of the moment. Sit down in the dining room, my hashtag podcast room, (laughs) Um, and just spit out a podcast that I took to the gram and asked if y'all wanted to hear the ones that were already recorded about body positivity. Don't worry. Those are coming out once this healthcare situation is talked about because it needs to be talked about. We need to use our platforms. Just a little um, FYI, if y'all hear some clinking and a clanking, that is my dishwasher running. I don't know why I decided to wash the or run the dishwasher before I sat down to do a podcast. But if y'all do not know, I believe the healthcare system has been on fire for a really long time. And I believe that the pandemic has made it more noticeable to people who aren't in healthcare. Obviously, if you work in a hospital or you have been in the system at some point, you understand what I'm discussing and the frustration that you may hear in this podcast. So what I want to do is just kind of start out by reading my Facebook post that kind of sparked this podcast and this discussion. So if you're not my friend on social media, you will kind of know what I'm talking about. All these feelings that I have, I kind of condensed into a few short paragraphs. And then I will try to explain a little bit better, probably rambling a little bit on why I wanted to do this podcast. So here we go. As a healthcare worker, it is disheartening what the system has become. It has been on fire for a long time, and it was not until the pandemic that it brought everything to the forefront for the community to visualize. But let's be, but let's be clear that the problem started way before the pandemic. Emergency rooms and hospitals across the country are suffering. Healthcare workers are broken, frustrated, and tired. Hospitals have always been short-staffed, underpaid, and overworked. Healthcare workers have always been undervalued. TV shows attempt to glamorize hospitals and healthcare workers, but it does not show the true depiction of our real day-to-day job. It does not show the mental health that healthcare workers endure, the underpaid shifts, etc. We work 12 to 13 hours per shift without food, bathroom breaks, or reprieve. We watch people die, not once per day, but multiple times per shift. We are slapped, cussed at, kicked, degraded, and abused on the daily. Yearly raises, what are those? I took it upon myself to further my education by getting a master's degree in nursing, to become a nurse practitioner, to learn more, and to be able to bring more skills into the hospital setting. Never in a million years did I once think that I would be paid less than when I was a nurse. It, was cross, it never crossed my mind that my education would not be valued, but here we are. When morale, dignity, and respect are taken from healthcare workers, what else does one have to continue to show up, perform, and do the job? How does one continue to walk into a position knowing that the care they give, the money that they bring to, the, to an organization, or the help they provide within an organization is not valued? Healthcare workers understand that hospitals are businesses at the end of the day, but unfortunately, the community does not. There are many things that need to be fixed within the healthcare system to allow hospitals to profit, which allow for more staff and higher paying positions. But, what it, but that is a whole other discussion in itself. A hospital is the only place in America that one can walk inside, disrespect staff, demand specific tests, medicines, and not pay their medical bills without going to jail. 
If the same person walked into a grocery store, yelled at the staff, and took a buggy full of groceries without paying, they would be taken to jail and banned from the facility. Healthcare workers, not only in my community, but around the world, are begging and pleading to everyone to see how broken the system truly is and to speak out. If you have a healthcare professional in your life, give them some grace as they will continue to feel disrespected, broken, sad, angry, and upset. The pandemic did not break your health care heroes. It just exaggerated an already broken system. So <laughs> that was pretty condensed um, into what I wanted to say, but I'm going to kind of go more in depth here. So what I mean by the system has been broken before the pandemic. For those of you who do not know, hospitals obviously are businesses. We don't view them as such because we think of going to the doctors like, I need that, right? Like we don't think of it as a boutique where you buy clothes or groceries where you go and get food or a restaurant where you can dine out. We don't view hospitals in that light. We view it as in like this is something obviously we have to have and it's there for me. And then, you know, insurances, insurance companies in themselves, it's kind of a hard thing to discuss because I don't quite understand it all myself other than someone behind a desk working for an insurance company who has no medical knowledge can deny claims they can they can refuse to pay hospitals doctors offices for the services that were already rendered so for example if you go into a hospital setting like an emergency room and a physician feels that certain tests are necessary for your care or to figure out what's going on, a hospital or an insurance company can actually deny the claims or they can pay a fourth of it or pay half of it or whatever. And then if your insurance company is refusing to pay, obviously the hospital still needs their money, right? Because you can't just continue to give services for free or your business is will close your doors will close you you know it's a lot of people I think believe that hospitals are given money by the government and to some degree that can be true depending on what kind of hospital it is or setting or if there are like a lot of Medicare and Medicaid patients but what people don't understand is there are a lot of refusal of money from the government to hospitals so There's this thing called a government mandated survey where patients get sent a survey after they've been, after they've either been admitted to the hospital or had care at a hospital or an emergency room. And if you don't receive perfect scores on this mandated survey, then you don't receive reimbursement. So for example, if someone puts like, let's say that the survey is a zero out of 10, zero being the worst, 10 being the best. And someone puts a nine saying, yeah, the service was pretty good, but you know, it could have been better Then, even though it was a nine, since it wasn't a 10, the hospital doesn't get reimbursed. So that's why there's a lot of issues with insurances being so outrageously expensive, tests being expensive, because you have to charge the most to at least try to get some profit. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm completely aware that there's a lot of things that are overcharged, just like anything in life. But there are a lot of patients that will come to the hospital, their insurance refuses to pay, they say they don't have to pay their hospital bills, 
and they'll, they'll tell you that to your face. They're like, I don't have to pay this. So if your insurance isn't paying and the customer isn't paying, then who pays? Well, the hospital has to take a loss. And when the hospital takes multiple losses, you have to cut costs somewhere. And a hospital is ran just like any other business. Like they have to pay for electricity, water, staff, and your staff happens to be doctors and nurses and nurse practitioners, housekeeping, um, technicians, just everything that keeps a hospital running. And if you have to cut costs somewhere, you clearly can't cut electricity. You can't turn your lights off. You can't turn the water off. You have to have janitorial staff to clean rooms to get more patients in. But what happens is you have to start cutting positions. So you're understaffed because you can't afford to pay more people, which calls longer times in the hospital in the ER and things such as that, because if you don't have the appropriate staff, you can't run a hospital at full capacity and as quickly and as efficiently as you can. Things take longer if there are not anyone, if there is not anyone there to work, which I'm sure everyone understands that. So the other issue is that nurses and nurse practitioners have been underpaid and undervalued for a really long time. Um, used to (laughs) nurses could basically negotiate whatever contract they wanted. And it's coming back around that way because everything's about supply and demand, right? So I live in a city where there is more supply than there is demand for nurse practitioners. There is like four schools around me that are graduating nurse practitioners every year. So there aren't as many jobs. So you basically educate yourself out of a job or out of a pay raise because If you won't do the job for $20, someone else will, if that makes sense. Well, what's happening with the nurses, because that used to be the same in my city, like we still have the same four schools putting out nursing staff, but what's happening with the pandemic, which is one good thing that the pandemic did, was the pandemic gave nurses the opportunity to go anywhere in the country and make way more money and which forced hospitals to have to pay their nursing staff more. So if all these companies are offering nurses, we're just going to keep it easy money. I'm, I'm just throwing arbitrary numbers out just to keep it easy in my mind and do the math. So if a company in California is going to pay nurses $100 an hour to help come work the pandemic, then there's a lot of nurses fleeing their own hospitals that are paying them that $20 an hour because why would you do the same work for $80 less an hour, right? So then if all these nurses are leaving, then that forces the hospitals like, well, we can't give you $100 an hour, but we can give you, let's say, $40 an hour to stay in your hometown, to stay at your house, to be with your family so that you're not having to travel because there's always pros and cons to everything. So, that hap- and that's wonderful for nursing staff. And what that does is kind of make someone, so like I, me being a nurse practitioner, it can aggravate someone like me because if I'm, I'm just, again, throwing arbitrary numbers out. So if I'm making currently $40 an hour and now a nurse is making $40 an hour, what was the point of me spending $50,000 on a higher education? And yes, we understand that businesses look at supply and demand and market. So if there's more need for nurses and not nurse practitioners, then you make the same amount of money. And that can be disheartening. And that can cause burnout because you want to feel valued in a position, especially when you have more responsibility, you have this 
more, you have more education, you have more student loan debt. So there can be a frustration and more burnout. So that's kind of always been a thing in healthcare. That's not new. The pandemic did kind of help shed light on the fact that your hospitals are going to have to start paying nursing staff more to keep them around or else they're like, we're done with this. The work is hard everywhere. We'll, we'll go somewhere else. So I hope that made sense to everyone. And so then what I talked about was like TV shows, glamorizing hospitals. So you'll see uh, number one, Grey's Anatomy. Like everyone knows Grey's Anatomy. They watch Grey's Anatomy. They'll see the physicians standing out on the trauma bay waiting for their patients. You never really see nursing staff like putting patients on bed pans in that show. You see like they always go out together and hang out together and patients are nice to them and they're safe. That's not real world. Like usually the doctor's are not standing well there are never any time where a doctor is standing out on the trauma bay waiting for a patient to come in like you wait in your area for the patient to come in but you're not waiting for them at the ambulance ramp and then doctors are not putting patients on bedpans I'm sorry they're just not um and they like and yeah we hang out together but when we have time most nursing staff and healthcare workers that I know we don't really have time or want to hang out outside of work. And it's not because we don't want to. It's just that you're so, you give a lot of yourself when you're saving someone or helping someone or just talking for 12 hours a day. So that's why I put my podcast on hold for a little bit. Not because I didn't want to do my podcast anymore, but it just felt like work. And I was currently constantly working. And, you know, the pandemic is coming back around And so it's hard. It's hard to be gowned up, masked up, you know, seeing patients that are sick, obviously, and then not so sick. So me working in the emergency room, we've always had an issue with so many patients in the ER pre-COVID. Like, obviously, the emergency room was made for urgent needs like are you dying so an emergency room's job is to diagnose urgent things like if you walk out of this ER right now would you die so things like acute appendicitis where you need to go to surgery or bowel obstructions or bowel perforations pulmonary embolism which is a blood clot in your lung you can't breathe you're asthmatic you're having an attack you're having a heart attack you're having a stroke those are the things like broken bones Those are the things that we obviously were made for. But what a lot of people don't know is that newer generations are using the emergency room as a primary care office because they don't have insurance or they want answers immediately. So they walk into an emergency room and they get upset when they sign in and then wait 10 plus hours. And what I want everyone to understand is that it's not that we don't feel like why you're there is urgent or emergent. It's just, we want you to give grace and we want you to be understanding that an emergency room is not a primary care office. It is not an urgent care. It is not when you sign in, you know, we go down the list and call you by when you signed in. It's based on an acuity and a triage system based on like who is going to die first if I leave you sitting there. So If you can think of like a disaster area like 
any kind of trauma or if you're in the military, like how they triage patients out in the war zone. <laughs> like if I take care of you, who, who's going to die if I don't take care of you right now? And so that's how an emergency system is, is ran. But now with the pandemic, ERs all over the world are so they're just exhausted because not only do we already have this long wait time pre-COVID because a lot of people use the emergency room as a primary care physician office. Now we have COVID patients and it's not that we don't want to take care of COVID patients. I know there's been a lot of back and forth on social media about not taking care of vaccinated COVID patients. And I'm sorry if anyone has ever told you that I've never personally heard any of that from any of my nursing staff or my, or the ER that I work in. I personally have never said that I would never take care of a vaccinated person. Um, I think where the frustration comes from is I don't care if you're vaccinated or not, but just don't tell me. The one thing that I guess kind of irritates me is when someone tells me they don't know what's in it. Um, that's fine if you don't want to take it because you don't know what's in it, but then don't turn around and accept three antibiotics that you also don't know what's in it or go eat at McDonald's when we clearly know there we don't know what's in that food. So just don't make excuses and just say, I don't want to take it. And then that's fine. But off that soapbox, Um, so yeah, it's just, it it can get exhausting and it can get a lot when you already have all the sick patients that you're currently seeing. And then you have to see more on top of that because now there's this virus out that everyone is getting and obviously everyone's coming to the ER because it is scary. It is an anxiety driven thing when you feel like you can't breathe. And I totally understand that, but we still don't have the manpower. It's not like we can just make them show up out of thin air. We can't discharge patients before they're ready to go home. So it becomes like this gridlock of at some point the beds run out and then what do we do? You know, and so it can get, it can get overwhelming. And when you're doing this day in and day out, and of course nurses are working overtime shifts to help out and to make, make it so it's not so short staffed, then they become burnout and you do it for multiple years in a row and then you just continue that burnout and frustration. So that's basically sums up everything um, that I was talking about in my Facebook post. And at the end of it, when I talked about, you know, speak out, like if you do have someone in your life that's a healthcare worker and you see how hard they're working or the mental drain, like there's going to be a lot of mental illness, which there is already a lot of mental illness in the healthcare system. I know a lot of nurses that take antidepressants because we see a lot, like we see someone die at least every shift and you can't be sad. You don't have time for that because you have another patient to take care of. And it's chaotic. I wish I could take everyone to work with me just so that they could be like, Oh wow. I didn't know it was like this. Like it's not what you see on TV where everyone has time to sit around and chit chat. Sure. There are those days that we do, but more often than not, you're running 90 miles an hour in a 12 to 13 hour shift. So if someone in your life is a healthcare worker and they're short with you or, you know, even if you're short with a patient, like it's not that they don't care you just don't know what else is going on that day. 
Like, for example, if a nurse has three patients and one of them is very sick and she is constantly in the room, like hanging medication to keep their blood pressure up and they're on a ventilator to help them breathe and they're septic, so they're getting antibiotics. So if a nurse has that patient, but then also has two other patients, one maybe who doesn't really need to be in an ER, but is there because they want to know what's going on with their abdominal pain for the past two years, um, they'll be on the call out every five seconds saying, can you bring me a warm blanket? Can you bring me a sandwich? Can you bring me this? Can you bring me that? And it's not that the nurse doesn't want to bring it to you. It's just that if you were outside your room and you saw her running in and out of the the patients that was like pretty much dying um, to give medications to to make sure they're ventilated properly to check on their vital signs, then you would see that it's not that she doesn't want to. It's just that she doesn't have time to. And things such as a warm blanket and a sandwich don't trump airway and blood pressure and fever and vital signs and things like that. So when you go into an ER, just be respectful to the staff. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention, like people have asked me like that's, that happens. Like people hit and cuss and oh yeah. Like we get cussed out at least five times a shift. We get yelled at, you know, people think that their issues are more important than someone else's, which yeah, I totally get it. We're selfish in nature, right? Like humans are selfish. And sometimes you feel that what you're going through is an emergency and yeah, it may be, but it may not be as emergent as the person next door to you. So we have to prioritize and we want to take care of everyone at the end of the day. That's why we went into nursing. That's why we went into healthcare is to care for others, but caring for others doesn't necessarily mean, you know, coddling and bringing blankets and sandwiches. I know everyone wants a hospital to be like a hotel and, you know, that's that's what everyone around the world wants it to be. But at the end of the day, it's not. Like, there, there's just no way. Like, sure, be kind, be respectful to everyone. That's just the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated. So use your platform. Use your voice. You know, bring attention to this. Bring awareness to this. Something has to give in the healthcare system to get more staff, to get better paying positions, or... It's going to crumble on itself, guys. If you if you think about it, if everyone who came into a hospital never paid their bill, hospitals are going to close their doors. And pre-pandemic, a lot of smaller hospitals were closing their doors. They were having to fire a lot of people. They were going under just like any other business would, just like, just like a restaurant in the pandemic who, when we couldn't go out to eat to restaurants, they had to close their doors because there was no income coming in. A hospital is the same. So our government has to figure out a way, not even not maybe, I don't know. I don't know if government's the right thing, but somebody has to figure out a way to get these hospitals paid, get the nursing and the nurse practitioners and all the ancillary staff paid better. And I think, I think that would help a lot. It's not just, and again, it's not just about the pay. It's just about everything in general. It's just, yeah, I'm rambling now. So I hope that helps. Um, This was just like a little impromptu podcast. I hope you like it. I hope that explained my Facebook post a little bit better. I hope that helped everyone a little bit better. And if you want to know more and I can explain it a little bit better, which I just said better 50 times. Sorry about that. Um, Yeah, just DM me, email me, and maybe I'll get some friends on the podcast and we can just do like a round table talk. But until next time, guys, bye.